0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. I am Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you as always is my co host, Lance Williams. Lance, how are you this evening?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Jeff. How's it down your way?
0: It's been a long off week. You know, I mean, the bye week typically is long, but it seems like this has been a it seems like forever since the Pittsburgh Steelers played. And the last time they stepped on the field, it was week 6 and they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. We've talked about that game to death. There's really no need to talk about that anymore. Let's talk about right off the bat. Let's talk about some rumors that are flying around. Um if, for those of you out there that are listening or watching thinking that the Steelers were going to try to trade for Patrick Peterson. That's something Lance said that he wished they would do. He said sell the farm essentially to get this guy. Well, Patrick Peterson comes out today. And he announced this is Wednesday. In case you're listening on Thursday, and he says, "I'm out of Cardinal for life. Uh, this organization has treated me well, and I'm sticking with them." So he's not available. I don't even think they they would trade him no matter what. Okay, so that's the big name guy, and he's out of the, he, Let's say he's out of the picture. The October 30th deadline is quickly approaching, Lance. If you're the Steelers, if you're looking at positions to possibly trade for someone we know cornerback is going to be on the top of everyone's list what other positions might you be looking for uh in terms of trades and what would you give up i guess is the question let's talk about positions first what positions would you be targeting
1: defensively you've got to think about inside linebacker you've got to think about corner but i think you also have to think about defensive linemen you know you have to add another deep if you could add another defensive lineman the caliber of Tyson Alulu into that rotation that might not be bad as well
0: so what about outside linebacker I mean yeah, this is something we talked about as well when we had a someone that was watching live and by the way on YouTube if you are watching live you can go into our live chat and ask questions we'll get to those towards the end of the show uh someone asked about Ola Adini who should, is capable of coming off of the injured reserve list soon uh, they don't, they're only carrying three outside linebackers. And let's be honest, it's really only two, uh, Anthony Chiquillo does not bring much if to anything as a pass rusher, he's more of a special teams guy. Would that be a position that you would target or are you just okay with what they have? No,
1: given the depth, given those numbers, yes, you, you might target that as well because if either one of those guys go down to Dupree or, uh, Mr. Watt, I'm not even going to go with the initials, uh, Mr. Watt, <laughs> if he goes down, uh, you're in trouble. You're in some deep trouble because given the scheme shift of how the defensive linemen are more two gapping now, and the pressure is more dependent on the outside linebackers, you definitely need some depth. But I would imagine if either one of those guys went down, you know, they might go back to a one, you know, a one gap scheme, and kind of switch it back to what they were doing to try to compensate for a lack of pressure if one of those guys went down. But that would be tough if either one of those guys went down.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone with a logical brain and a logical head on their shoulders would disagree with any of the positions you just named. What about on offense, though? If it was a position, because I have a few positions in my head that I would possibly look for, was is there anything that you would look for on offense in terms of trades? Or would you just think, you know what, they're pretty good as it is, don't mess up a good thing?
1: Wide receiver. They could look for a veteran slot, wide receiver, a third wide receiver, somebody that might have had some experience with Todd Haley that could pick up possibly the language of the offense or pick up the scheme behind some of the route combinations, what they try to do from the slot. A veteran third wide receiver, not being so 12 personnel too tight dependent with a Vance McDonald who does get hurt. Uh, but I think they li- would like to get some more production from a third wide receiver. Because right now, with Eli Rogers on the pup list, and right now they're not getting a lot from James Washington, although I think he's coming along nicely, a third wide receiver could mix in well with that group.
0: I would also say offensive tackle. And you have some of these teams that you see the New York Giants doing it, the Oakland Raiders have been doing it seemingly since they traded Khalil Mack. They're kind of just folding they They're saying rebuilding here, if you could get a I'm not saying a starting left tackle i'm I'm not saying any of the players that they would trade for would be players that you would start immediately. I'm talking depth because Marcus Gilbert, just like you mentioned with um uh, you know injury issues and, and things of that nature, he is another player that rarely ever plays all sixteen games. and I'm not sure if Chuck Secor or Matt Filer – are guys that you would want to throw out there in a really meaningful game, maybe in the second half of the season. Think about some of the games they have to play against the Chargers, against the Saints, against the Ravens, against the Patriots, against the Bengals. Um, they have tough games down the stretch. And if Marcus Gilbert goes down or if Alvin and Aueva goes down, you don't really have that presence. So if I can find an offensive tackle that's kind of a second-tier guy that you might be able to pick up for, let's say, a fifth, sixth-round pick. I'm pulling the trigger on that. That's probably the only other position. I agree with you on the third wide receiver. You agree on that offensive tackle depth?
1: Yeah, I think to put a name to what you're saying, I think you're talking about a Chris Hubbard type.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Chris yeah.
1: Hubbard type. But let me ask you this, Jeff. Doesn't Okora 4 sound like a science experiment? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it sounds like a chemical reaction, yeah. like chlorophyll. Ochorophore. When okay. you mix these two elements, it becomes ochorophore.
0: Now, kids, what you're gonna see here is a chorophore start to form on the outside of this <laughs> yes
1: exactly
0: <tea> tree dish. <laughs>
1: ochorophore, <So, yeah. laughs> like or it's a brand of medicine or something like two scoops of a and you'll feel better <laughs> in the morning.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, we either have Science experiments or, or law firms. It seems like what was what was it? Meda Mat- 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 and Bostick. You said sounded or Medakovic and Williams. You yes, said it sounded like a law firm.
1: Yes, yes. In so Pittsburgh, you have to have a third
0: one. Medakovic, Medakovic, and Williams. I think. Yes. You- <laughs> so, uh,
1: they would miss tackles like they would mess up your case. So.
0: <laughs> hey, they don't. They don't. They don't make money unless you win money. That's their slogan. So anyways, exactly. Um, Speaking of injury-prone players and things of that nature, shockingly, I guess I shouldn't say shockingly, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a rather healthy team moving into Week 8 against the Cleveland Browns. This is Round 2. Everyone remembers Week 1, the tie. It was awful on all parts. Um, They're starting to get everyone healthy. Whether Morgan Burnett will be back this week, I'm not sure. LJ Ford has practiced. The official Wednesday report is out. I have not seen that official list yet. I apologize. Was busy uh, after work today. I will check that out hopefully by the end of the show. But the Steelers, according to Mike Tomlin, in his Tuesday press conference, were very much a healthy football team. And so when you have guys like Ben Roethlisberger in his media session today saying, it's week eight and he feels so much better. Now this is a guy that, finally decided to lay off the donuts it took him 14 years but he finally figured out that wow if i took care of my body it might actually help he lost some weight and now all of a sudden he's reaping the benefits he said that his knees are not swollen they are not he's not having to ice them down as much that he feels really really good it's a really good sign for the steelers and then they could be getting healthy in terms of eli rogers coming back if they choose to activate him off the pup list we mentioned Ola Adania as an option at outside linebacker who's on injured reserve currently. Um, they're getting some of these players back. Uh, Lance, I, I just want to get your quick take before we go to true or false about this upcoming game. Health aside, what are your thoughts? Like, it, How is this game going to be different outside of venue than week one for both of these teams?
1: I think the big thing you'd have to point to is Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's the biggest difference and you have some other players on that Cleveland Browns offense that are no longer there no Hyde no Gordon no Taylor oh my but yeah. it it's, it's it's baker mayfield you know that 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 offense is much different with baker mayfield that it legitimately has a passing offense that can actually move the ball down the field and beat you in the national football league it's a it's a professional passing offense now uh, although Baker Mayfield's a rookie. With Tyrod Taylor, I mean, you had to defend his scrambling, essentially. Tyrod Taylor would not put the ball in tight spaces, would not risk anything. And Tyrod, you know, he's, a, he's an average player. Tyrod Taylor's an average player. So Baker Mayfield is the biggest difference with this football team.
0: I have not been I, – I, I'll admit I have not watched a ton of tape of Baker Mayfield, but I have watched several games. Man, I honestly – I'm not that impressed. Are you?
1: I, I, I'm quite impressed with Baker. I, I, I mean, I like what he's doing. I, I like his, his calmness in the pocket, his pocket mobility. Um, he's actually a multiple-read quarterback this early in his, in his career, which I think is impressive. You know, he actually scans the field. You know, I, and he throws a good ball. He, he throws particularly a really good scene ball. There's some action. On the ball, it's alive. It's a crisp ball. I, I like Baker and Mayfield. I, I think Baker's a player. I think I think Cleveland found a guy that they can build around. Uh I think he's solid.
0: Okay. Personally, I just think he's – I don't know. I'm not sold on him yet.
1: He's short. He, he which, is short. Which stands out. Which you, which you do see at times on film that he is short. And that has some issues in in terms of some of the stuff that he's trying to do and throwing in the pocket. His height, I've seen a little bit of an issue there. But I think of the rookie guys that have come in, Darnold, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, what's the big kid in Buffalo? Is that Josh Allen? Yeah. He's better than all those guys. I I even think he's a little bit better than Rosen. I like Rosen as well. So I, I think Baker Mayfield, of those quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round, I think he's clearly the best one of those guys.
0: Well, yeah. I'm not sure that's saying much. But we'll, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, let's go ahead and get into true or false. For those that might be the first-time listeners, what we do here is we basically make a statement, and then we debate whether it's true or whether it's false. Now we're going to start off talking strictly about the upcoming game with the ball, the Cleveland Browns, and then we'll eventually move into maybe some NFL-type-themed statements. So let's start off right away. Lance, James Conner will rush for over 100 yards in Week 8 against the Cleveland Browns. True or false?
1: False. And the reason I say false is the one thing that National Football League teams do, if they can do it, is if a guy gets 100 yards against you and runs the ball pretty well, they try to get that corrected first. I think Connor will run the ball effectively. I just don't think he'll run for a hundred. I think he'll run for 85 to 90 in that area in, in that range with a yards per carry around four, four point two, somewhere around that. I think it's more so if he can average about 4.2 to 4.5 per carry. I think that will accomplish what the Steelers want to do running the football. But I think they take away that because, you know, you don't want to give up a hundred yard rushers to the same guy in multiple times, especially in multiple divisional games. That's, that's saying something. If you can run one guy can run for over a hundred against a divisional opponent multiple times in the season. I think they'll try to take that away first.
0: Okay. Let me ask you this over under Total scrimmage yards by James Conner will set the line at one twenty five. Over. Over. But he's so only I gonna the, but he's only gonna rush for eighty, so you think he's gonna be a big time player in the passing game.
1: I think he'll get some in the passing game. That's that's where I think he'll make his hay in okay. the passing game. So I think his touches will be up around twenty to twenty five touches.
0: Okay. I agree with the touches. I agree with the over. I say true. I think he does get over a hundred. I think I feel like this Steelers offense. Now, I have a question for you later in the show about the bye week. I feel like entering the bye week, they were clicking on all cylinders along that offensive front and they could do what they wanted. And I know the Cleveland defense is no joke anymore, but I feel like it didn't matter. You know, the Cincinnati Bengals off defense was no joke either. And the Steelers pushed them around. I mean, if you go back and watch the film of that week, week six game, my goodness, was, the Bengals were manhandled. By the Steelers' offensive line, and so what I'm saying is that I think personally that Lady on uh, Bell, good lord, that James Connor will go for over a hundred, and I think he I think he's going to look at 140 for uh, total scrimmage yards. Didn't he have close to 140 in Week One? I can't remember off the top of my head. I know it was close.
1: But, um, I'm thinking it was almost. I think it was north of that, listeners. Let us know. I think it was north of that. I'm thinking closer to
0: 170-ish. Okay. I know
1: it was a really good game because I think he almost had 120 yards rushing. Yeah, I think, you're, I think
0: you're right there. Yeah, I think you're right. So Okay, so you think false, but you see him having a good game. I say true. I also see him having a good game as well. All right. Uh, the Steelers will sack Baker Mayfield or whoever is quarterbacking the Browns at that time at least. Five times, true or false? I'm
1: going to go true. I think the tackles, Hubbard, and I don't know the other kid's name. I think the tackles of the Browns aren't very good. In that first game, the Steelers got seven sacks. I mean, the one thing that stands out when you look at the Cleveland Browns, they've given up 31 sacks this year, which is ranked last in the National Football League. Now, of those, 13 of those, are attributed to when Tyrod Taylor was starting. But Baker Mayfield himself has been sacked 18 times, which would be ranked 14th worst in the National Football League. So it's a case of no matter who's back there, guys get sacked. And you're talking about two very mobile guys. I mean, that's one of the strengths of Baker Mayfield. Secondary plays, late late in the down plays, being able to move outside of the pocket and make plays. And we all know Tyrod Taylor is a great runner. They're not good in pass pro. And and I think T.J. Watt, and that's one of the key matchups in this game for me, is the matchup between Dud Dupree and T.J. Watt against the Cleveland Brown tackles. They have to win that matchup. I think they will win that matchup, and I don't think they will have five or more sacks. So I think it's true.
0: Okay, just randomly tell us how many, how many you think they have total.
1: I think they get six, six to seven again. But it may not be the same way, but I think T.J. Watt uh, in that game had, what, five?
0: No, he had four, and it got taken back to three and a half because they gave half to a a Hargrave on a sack. So,
1: So, yeah, I think they'll get some blitz stuff because Baker Mayfield, the Ravens did a really good job of blitzing Baker Mayfield. I think Baker has some issues with the blitz. And I think that's a way you can break down their pass protection as well, that he doesn't see it and recognize it quickly. And I think the blocking breaks down in the blitz, two things which are bad things if you're trying to get good blitz pro, so pass pro. So I think the Steelers will get six to seven sacks again.
0: I agree with you on all fronts. I think it's true. I think they will get the sacks. It might not be early in the game. I think that the Browns are going to come out and really try to run the football and they're going to try to, keep that pass rush off of them and not expose Baker Mayfield. And then eventually, because of the offense of the Steelers, I think they're going to have to throw the ball to get back in it. And that's when they can kind of tee off and and get to Mayfield. So we both agree on that one. And I also agree, I was going to say six sacks. You said six or seven. I can see both. I don't think it's going to go to eight or anything like that. But then again, when they do have big, huge outputs, it's typically uh, in the sack department, it's typically against the Cleveland Browns. All right, next one. The Steelers will give up four sacks. That's the amount that they gave up in that first matchup in Week 1. Let me remind all the listeners out there, the Steelers' offensive line in the last two games, that's against the Bengals and the Falcons, have not given up a sack and only one quarterback hit in those two contests. So, Lance, true or false, the Steelers will give up four sacks on Sunday at Heinz Field?
1: False. In fact, Jeff, I think the Steelers have only given up eight or nine sacks this year, which I think is second in the National Football League, and almost half of those came to Cleveland in the first game. I I think they'll have a better plan in dealing with Miles Garrett, and I I think they'll clean that up. And I think the Steelers at most give up two sacks in this game.
0: Yeah, and Ben Roethlisberger, again, if you haven't listened to his interview from today on Wednesday, it's worth listening to. He was asked about playing a team that is young as Cleveland you know, does playing him in the second time a bigger difference than playing him, obviously, the first time? And he said, absolutely. He said, you get a chance to really get a feel for what the guys like to do. And so Miles Garrett, who basically missed both of the games against Pittsburgh last year, um, if you don't want to count the throwaway game in Week 17, it, for someone like Villanueva, has never gone against them. And so there's some familiarity now. They know what to expect. Not that they're not going to have wrinkles on the other side. I think that they are going to give up some pressure, But I'm going to say they only give up one sack in the game. So false. I say false. They don't give up four. I do think they give up one. Kind of breaks their streak. But I think ultimately they have another really good game. So um, here we go. True or false, the Steelers will win the turnover battle in the game on Sunday. Because the Cleveland Browns take the football away surprisingly well so what do you think Lance true or false
1: I'm gonna say true I think the Steelers will be I would guess plus two in the game I think the Steelers will with all the pressure that I think they're going to get I think they'll get a fumble recovery and an interception Uh, Baker will put the ball in some areas where he doesn't want and give you an opportunity to catch the football So I think the Steelers will be plus two in a turnover margin. So I'm thinking the Steelers get two turnovers. Browns get no turnovers. I think the Steelers are going to come out and play a really good, clean football game, considering the amount of turnovers that they had in the first game. I think with the way they're playing now, by running the football and really trying to ball control it a little bit more and trying to mix that in, I think they'll do a good job in terms of turnovers and really secure the football in this matchup.
0: Okay. I'm going to say false. I think that this is a, a no blood scenario between both teams. I think they both might give it away once and that's it. I think it's going to be a cleaner game than you saw in week one. Um, I just don't think Pittsburgh's defense. I mean, yeah. They might get a couple of fumbles or something like that, but they're just not a defense that takes the ball away very well. You look at week six where Joe Hayden had two opportunities to seal the game with interceptions and didn't come down with it. That just seems to be the trend of this defense that can change and you know, The beat of an eye, but at the same time, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to say false. All right, let's go to some more general true or false questions. Uh, We're going to go with one that's obviously based around the Steelers. True or false, the Pittsburgh Steelers will make a trade of some kind before the October 30th trade deadline. True or false, Lance?
1: No, I know I talked a ton about Patrick Peterson. He's since come out and said he's a dedicated cardinal uh jeff talked a little bit about it at the top of the program uh you know when players say that you know it doesn't mean anything you know show me the money and they're gone the next day that doesn't mean the steelers that's going to make a trade for them i'm going to say false and you know why i'm going to say false the steelers will not make a trade because we all want them to make a trade it all makes sense that they would make a trade every steeler fan in in Steeler Nation, worth their grain of salt, knows they need to make a trade to improve this defense. They need to make it now. They need to make it yesterday. They needed to make it last week. Why do they need to do that? Because the quarterback is old. Ben is on it. This is the end. He's at the dessert course. And you're not going to find a quarterback the caliber of Ben Roethlisberger quite some time, unless you get lucky like the Green Bay Packers or the San Francisco 49ers with Steve Young and Aaron Rodgers. So while you have your guy, your second best quarterback in your franchise history, you better go all in. And sometimes it requires that, and you may have to be less conservative than you typically are. But with all that said, we know they ain't making a trade. We know they ain't making a trade. We're just we're just being we're just gonna frustrate ourselves. You know it ain't happening. So no, false, they will not make a trade.
0: I agree, false. I think the Steelers, they might have had their eye on a couple players, possibly. Um, might have put in some phone calls. But it's, it's risk-reward at this point, and I think the Steelers like the, the team that they have. Yeah, there might be some upgrades out there, but ultimately I don't think that's going to be the way that they want to go. Um, so we both agree that false, they are not going to make a trade. Now, here's an NFL question that you posed, Lance. I think it's a really good one. I should say a statement. True or false, Adam Thielen, the receiver from the Minnesota Vikings, is the best wide receiver in the National Football League right now. What do you say?
1: True. I think it's 100% true. I think, you know, over the last five years, I think it's been Antonio Brown But feeling is hot. I mean, boy, is balling. I I, I can't front. The boy is putting up 100-yard games every week against everybody. The boy is balling. I I, I mean, I I love A.B. I like Julio Jones. I like Keenan Allen. You know, there's a lot of guys that I like. But, I mean, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And arguably, Juju is playing better than A.B. this year. So the question might be, is A.B. still even the best wide receiver on the Steelers? Last year he was. Is he better than Juju this year? So I think Adam Thielen right now is absolutely the best wide receiver in NFL, best route runner. He just kills people. I mean, he kills guys. And because he's a white guy, he just absolutely frustrates corners. Corners can't take it. They're just like, how's this white guy roasted me? It's not supposed to happen. They're like, wait a minute. I thought white guys couldn't jump or run or catch. And Thielen is like, "Uh, you thought wrong. I can do all three, touchdown, 115 on your head. I mean, he's on a pace. His pace is ridiculous. I think he's on a pace to break. The, the the single season yardage record because he's doing something that's never been done. Nobody started the season is hot. I mean, he's absolutely the best wide receiver. He is killing the game right now. And guys just can't take it. They sour and sore. You see, did you see the cornerback from Philadelphia? I forget the cornerback's name for Philadelphia that he was absolutely killing on the road. This boy was about to just pull his hair out. He couldn't take it. He couldn't just he was like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna be able to go home. He killing me like that. Thielen is the man. Absolutely the best wide receiver in football this year. No doubt.
0: Okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to change into Mercury Morris. And if you don't know who Mercury <laughs> Morris is, he's a former running back of the Miami Dolphins on that famed 1972 undefeated team. And he's the one that's always on Center. Whenever a team gets to eight 8-0, 9-0, 10-0, and he always says the same thing. Don't call me when you're in my city. Don't call me when you're on my block. Call me when you're on my front porch. You know, in other words, don't talk to me until you're close to actually going undefeated. Adam Thielen has played tremendous football so far this season. And he's had a great year last year. But there is no chance in hell that I am saying he is better than Antonio Brown because he is producing right now But Antonio Brown is still the best wide receiver in the National Football League. And there's a big difference. If you you look at just results, and even Antonio Brown, he's still having a decent year, even though it's been very, very slow for him at at the early early portions of the year. Adam Thielen's great. But if I'm looking at a complete body of work, there's no way in hell that I'm putting him over Antonio Brown. I don't even think I'm putting him over Julio Jones. Um, I just think that right now, Thielen's getting a lot of good opportunities. He can thank uh, Stefan Diggs as well for being opposite him. He's giving him a lot of one-on-ones. That's probably not going to happen too much. But I see what you're saying. But Mercury Moore is, hey, don't call me when you're in my neighborhood. But if he finishes the year this well, you know, we're only going into week eight. All right. If he finishes the year strong, then we'll revisit this discussion. But as of yes. right now, it's A-B until someone unseats A-B. That's
1: Seven it. straight. Seven straight hundred yard games I believe that's ridiculous seven straight and he's seeing double coverage he's not working against third corners I mean I feel you with body of work I mean that that's absolutely true the body of work is not there but this year oh the boy is killing the boy I mean the boy is killing you better have a feeling plan that's for sure.
0: All right. No, no, like I said, I'm not saying he's not good. He's tremendous. And he finally has a good quarterback. Well, a better quarterback. So we'll see how things pan out there for the Minnesota Vikings, but that's it for a true or false today. Now we get into our game picks. I kind of wanted to expand this a little bit, Lance, and not just pick the Steelers game. I also wanted to pick the other AFC North matchups for the week. If you would be willing to do that. Um, First and foremost, an AFC North matchup. Obviously, we have Pittsburgh versus Cleveland, but we'll go around the division to see who else is playing. Let me pull up the schedule quickly. If My computer will work with me. Here we go. Um, the Baltimore Ravens go and play the Carolina Panthers. Eee, that's going to be a tough one. What do you think about that game?
1: Baltimore's going on a road.
0: Let me double check the schedule for this week. And yes, they are at the Carolina Panthers. That is a one PM Eastern Standard Time kickoff.
1: No brainer. Carolina wins that game. It'll be a physical matchup, but Flacco stinks on the road. He he. I mean, he absolutely stinks on the road. I mean, Flacco is worse than Ben on the road. So, and you know that's bad. So they stink on the road. It'll be a defensive slugfest, though. Baltimore does. Baltimore is a very good defense. In fact, Baltimore is the best defense I've seen this year simply because they have really good players. They have a really good scheme. And the one thing Baltimore does better than anybody in the National Football League on defense is tackle. They do a really good job of limiting yards after the catch. And they'll they'll turn over Cam here or there. But uh, Flacco's so bad on the road, and I don't like that offense. Uh, I like Carolina to win that game.
0: Yeah, I don't know. because For me... The Baltimore Ravens are a good football team, and they're a team that honestly they're resilient, they're a resilient group. I think I could see this team actually coming off of that heartbreaking loss to the Saints coming to go down the win. I'm going to take Baltimore on the road. I think defense travels well. Cam Newton basically sl- slept walked through three quarters against Philadelphia. Um, they did come back they did come back and win, so kudos to them. And I had him as my FanDuel quarterback, so that was big props to me. I won. Um, But still, uh, i got to go and say that I think the the Ravens are going to win. I think the Ravens are just a good team. I think they're going to go down there. They're going to win. It's a game that they really have to win before they play the Steelers in Week 9. So let's go to the other AFC North game, the Cincinnati Bengals at home versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another 1 p.m. kickoff. What do you think there, Lance?
1: I think the Bungles will win that game. I think they'll bounce back. Defensive line will play dominant, really good after Jameis Winston. He'll put some balls into some bad spots, give them opportunities to make some turnovers, and I think that they will win that game. Tampa's not a very good defense, not a very good team, very good offense, but I I think the Bengals, excuse me, the Bungles will win that game.
0: I agree. I think the the Cincinnati Bengals are – you're coming off of a really tough loss at Pittsburgh and then another embarrassing loss to Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. I think they bounce back. I think they win. And so as of right now, that would make, if your predictions are correct, Cincinnati would improve to 5-3. and three. The Baltimore Ravens would drop to 4-4. Four and four. And so now we go into Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns. Lance, how do you see this game shaking out?
1: I think this game is really about getting pressure on a quarterback on Baker Mayfield as well as – and I haven't been doing my rhyme this year, but let me give you my rhyme. I usually give you my Nipsey Russell rhyme. That's the theme of the game. And it's simply, if you want some love, stop Chubb. Chubb's been playing really good football, and you can see why they got rid of Carlos Hyde, averaging seven-point yards per carry. But this is really about the sacks that Cleveland gives up. This is about getting pressure on Baker Mayfield – making it very uncomfortable and it's about turnovers the Steelers are the better football team if they don't turn the football over they'll beat Cleveland Cleveland will have some opportunities to make some plays with Njoku Jarvis Landry will make a play here or there but I think if the Steelers tackle well get pressure and don't turn over the football they win I like the Steelers to beat Cleveland at home keep the momentum going I think they beat Cleveland to the tune of 31 17.
0: Mm. All right, very good. I agree that I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a team that is turning the corner um, offensively, defensively. If they can just start to mesh, I think that this team could be very, very tough to beat. And I also think they're a team that can beat any team in the AFC. That includes the Patriots, that includes the Ravens, that includes the Chargers. And it's just funny that they're going to face all three of those teams in the second half of their schedule. At the same time, I think the Cleveland Browns, man, and it's insane when you think about how they've played four overtime games already, and it's only going into Week 8. There's only one team, I believe, in NFL history that has had more. It was a Philadelphia Eagles team from the 30s or something that they had played in five overtime games. I don't think this one's going to overtime. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, although it might be close at first, in the second, third, they've pulled together, start playing good football, and pull away. I think that the Steelers... I think they win. They're, they're they're favored by seven points for those gamblers out there that are interested. I think that the Steelers win 34. They go over the 30 point plateau, 34 to 20. I think that they might, the Browns might get a late touchdown to kind of make it seem a little bit closer than what is. I think the Steelers dominate. I think they protect Ben Roethlisberger. And I think, like I said, they really start to find their groove. So, not good news for those that have been following our picks. When Lance and I both picked the Steelers, he normally puts his bad juju onto the, the team. So let's hope that doesn't hold true for not this last, week. Not
1: last week. Let me, let me let me point out a couple of things that I've seen sure. uh, w- with Baker. One thing is Baker's ability to extend plays off script. That's one thing that Steelers will have to be uh, really caucusing of. They'll have to plaster wide receivers and do a do- good job there. Also with Baker, you're going to see some RPO stuff. They're going to have to be a little bit disciplined with that. The one thing you did see in that first ball game was they were able to run the ball Cleveland pretty well attacking TJ Watt in the run game and the left side of that defensive formation, defensive line. They are definitely a right-handed football team in terms of the run. So if the Steelers can really plug that up, put this ball game into Baker Mayfield's hands, they'll have no problem. But again, I like Jeff's pick and I like him 31 17. And by the way, Jeff, we both picked them to beat Cincinnati, the Bungles, and they did. You?
0: And they, I they, you I, did.
1: No, okay. I think I got the score right. I think I I think I picked 28 24. So I was pretty close to the, well, the score.
0: That's not right. You got close. That's I got not close. The score. Yeah, that's, that's okay. close. Well, this is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades, my friend. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Okay, so if you're listening or if you're watching the show live, you have questions, go ahead and fire away. We have some already. We're going to go through rapid-fire answering these questions, get you ready for a weekend that is uh, hopefully going to be a really good weekend for the Steelers in terms of how things shake out in the AFC North. Okay, uh, Emilio asked Lance, how do you think the Steelers finish with the NFC South teams? They're 2-0 right now. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Buccaneers. They'll play the Panthers in Week 10 on Thursday Night Football, and then the Saints down in New Orleans. I want to say that's Week 14. How do you think they finish against NFC South teams this year? They
1: will not beat the Saints in the Dome. Um, and Carolina, is that game in Carolina or
0: Pittsburgh? It is in Hinesfield.
1: Field. Uh, they will beat Carolina at home, but they won't beat the Saints on the turf inside in New Orleans. They won't do that. Drew Brees so, going to eat them up.
0: He so said 3 and one
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I have to agree. I think three and one's a very realistic record for them against the NFC South. And to be fair, um, I think that that would be a pretty good record. I mean, the the NFC South, you have those two front runners in Carolina and New Orleans. The other two are kind of cellar dwellers. So we'll see how the Steelers play out there. Okay. Um, Here's just a general NFL question. How long until the last undefeated team falls? He's talking about the Los Angeles Rams. How long do you see their undefeated streak going? They do play the Kansas City Chiefs coming up. Keep that in mind.
1: Where do they play the Chiefs? Do they play them in LA or Mexico? <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> um, hell, let's say they go fifteen and one. I'll say they lose that game.
0: Okay. Uh, but I, actually,
1: no, 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 no. I, I, I'm gonna just throw it out there. The Rams going undefeated.
0: You know who's gonna beat the Rams, and I don't even know when they play them again. The Seattle Seahawks are going to beat the Rams. Because the Seattle Seahawks, even as bad as they are, sometimes they just find ways to win crazy games. And that would be a crazy game. It's a divisional game. Russell Wilson can make plays. That's what I was saying. They're not going undefeated. They will not Mark the
1: tape. Mark the tape. If Gurley and, 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 and Goff, by the way, Goff is a fellow California Golden Bear. Pick yeah. up the Golden Bear football. You know how we do. They Get suck. beat by every team in the Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> and disappoint Bear fans like we got beat by UCLA 37 7 at homecoming when they had no wins. As you can tell, it's frustrating being a Cal Bear fan. But Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff, two California Golden Bears, Marshawn Lynch, to name a few, Deshaun Jackson, they're going undefeated. If those two, if Goff and, and um, Gurley stay healthy, they're going undefeated.
0: Uh, mark the tape, they're not going undefeated. I don't. <laughs> okay, uh, here we go. Let's see. Um, here's a good one. What can we expect in terms of improvement from the Steelers' defense? So, a lot of people are saying the defense is going to get better. I think the question is, how could we visually see improvement? Like, in what areas do you think this defense can still improve on?
1: I think Artie Burns will improve. I don't think he's going to play pro Bowl caliber football, but I think he's going to play better than he has recently, which was not saying much. So I think they'll be better coverage-wise. And I think they'll be better from a philosophical point where they will play a little more bend, not break, not bend and broke defense, where I think they will be able to choke off big plays, keep some stuff in front of them, and, and really play a not an effective bend-not-break defense and really limit the big plays, especially with Burnett coming back. I think they'll do better against tight ends in the slot with him being able to play Don linebacker. So I think they'll get better coverage-wise. Philosophically, I think they'll be a little bit better, and I think they will actually be able to play bend-not-break defense.
0: Okay. I think that um, tackling certainly can improve. Um, And that's something that you can definitely see that's tangible. Uh, If you're watching the games, you see, hell, earlier in the season, there were two forced fumbles that came after missed tackles. And so everyone's ecstatic that the Steelers caused a fumble and recovered it. When I'm sitting there thinking, well, hell, if they would have tackled them the first time, it probably wouldn't have happened. So you should, in my opinion, tackling should improve as the season goes on. Now, Snowman asked a question that I'll just go ahead and answer what happens if Le'Veon Bell doesn't show up this year? First and foremost, the $14.5 million that he is owed gets rolled over into the Steelers' salary cap for next year, which would not be a bad thing because the Steelers could use that salary cap next year to go out and get players or to you know make moves, sign players, whatever the case may be. He does not need to play this season to hit free agency. That is a common misconception. He is a vested veteran in the National Football League. He doesn't have to play one snap this season to be a, a free agent next season. Now, the Steelers do have options with a transition tag and all that stuff. You're getting into the nitty-gritty of the CVA, the collective bargaining agreement, and that's not what anyone wants to hear. So if Le'Veon Bell doesn't show up this year, he could still go elsewhere next year. If the Steelers slap a transition tag on him, that essentially means that they have the right to first refusal and things like that. Um, Lance, am I missing anything in this scenario? No,
1: that's it. I mean, that's essentially it. That means he can be traded. They won't franchise him again. uh, But the the transition tag makes sense. They've said that that's probably what they're going to do, which allows him to be traded.
0: Yeah. So And and they would still get compensation in terms of a compensatory pick if that were to happen. So um, next we have a Mateo asks, what do you think the odds are the Steelers landing? And this is a report that came from Jason Lockefora of CBS Sports. Uh, Conley from the Raiders or Jenkins from the Giants?
1: I don't want Jenkins. I'd rather have the young player and develop him. But you got to realize with the young player, he might not be the answer this year. He may be the answer in the future. And, and that could be a good thing, particularly if you coach up, if you're, if you're able to get Artie Burns good then you have two good young corners along with Joe Hayden. So I would rather, if that were to happen, that the Steelers get the young player from Ohio State from the Raiders.
0: I don't know. Uh, even Conley, he hasn't played well in the National Football League. And I understand that a change of scenery can help a lot of players. But ultimately, you ha- in my opinion, if I'm Kevin Colbert and or Mike Tomlin and I'm looking at the situation, I'm looking at players – it could be potentially on the trading block. I'm asking myself one thing. Are they an upgrade over what we already have? And if they are not, I am not pulling the trigger on any trade. I'm not giving away draft picks because why would I do that? Why would I go out there and make a trade, give up a draft pick or a potential player if this guy isn't going to be any better than what we already have? So unless it's better than Cameron Sutton, Artie Burns, and Cody Sensabaugh, don't make the trade. And honestly – Conley has not proven that as a National Football League player. He has potential. I can't say that I'm confident in the Steelers' ability to develop cornerbacks and safeties. Uh, maybe it's different with the new coach and not um, the old regime. We'll see, but I don't I don't think they make a move on either of those players.
1: Well, you know what, Jeff? A lot of it's going to be based on their scout of him. You know, yeah. if, if they were to pull that trigger, it'd be based on their scout of him, what they thought he was coming out.
0: Okay, um, yeah, that's a good point. Reed overhand, it says, and Jenkins is set to make over $14 million no next way. year. So there's no way the Steelers no way. are going to, they're not going to jump in bed with that contract, if you know what I mean. So uh, here we go. Um, let's give another one. How, do we, how did the Steelers become more efficient in the red zone? This could be both offense and defense. Lance, go ahead and give us both. How do you think the Steelers could become more efficient in the red area?
1: Offensively, it's by running the football is by being a very good running football team in the red zone I mean not calling three consecutive pass plays in the red zone really being diverse in the red zone I think on the opposite side of football it's about getting pass rush you know it's about getting pass rush in the red zone and really choking off the run I mean if you can if you could speed it up in the red zone you do well uh, so I think it's winning up front on both sides of the ball in the red zone be able to run it be able to stop the run. I think you play better in the red zone.
0: Yeah, I think defensively pressure is important, but I think they also need to mix up their coverage uh, schemes in the red zone. Sometimes, you know, you, you see like Artie Burns, it happened with him, it happened with Bud Dupree as well. They run some of these zone schemes and the players because the field's so short. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just not that intelligent. I'm not sure. But whatever the case may be, it just doesn't always seem to work. So maybe mix up some of those uh, – in the back end mix up some of their schemes that they're doing uh here we go Uh, the question is once bell returns assuming he returns what's the likelihood we'll use the steelers will use a two week exemption the roster exemption with no pay uh does this help in acquiring patrick peterson Well, we talked about that earlier i don't think patrick peterson is an option anymore the steelers i just saw a report come across the wire from Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com stating that the Steelers have said they will pay Le'Veon Bell during that roster exemption. And when they get the roster exemption, they can put him in the lineup whenever they want. It just gives them two weeks to have to make a roster move to find space for him. So they will pay him, but he has to show up. So $855,000 every week. He's already lost over seven Million dollars of a potential fourteen point five million this year. So understand that that's they they said they'll pay him. He still has to show up. So there you go, Lance. I I
1: saw I saw a weird stat that at this point, excluding signing bonuses, that the compensation that he's lost is more than any running back would get paid this year. I don't know if that was if that was true, but man, if that's the case, th- that's something. I mean, I, I don't have any more words for, for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I'm sorry, listeners. I, I can't talk about Le'Veon Bell, aka Mr. Brown Gravy. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Either come in, play ball, or don't. I mean, I mean, I, I think even if you were the staunchest LB fan that at this point you're sick of it. Just ball or not. It, it, it's okay if you don't want to play, sit out the whole season. Just, just just, do it. I mean, do you. Just be honest about what you're going to do, man. Either you're going to come or you're not. It is yeah. what it is.
0: I agree, 100%. I mean, and that's what the Steelers are so pissed off, is that he's told, reportedly, he's told the team and the organization and the players, multiple times that he was coming back and he just doesn't show up. They don't trust the guy. They don't trust what they hear. They don't, they haven't heard anything from him personally recently. So, Hey, you just go with, you go, go with who you have, man. I mean, that's, and it's working and it's working in my opinion. And Lance, you might disagree. James Connor's success is hurting Le'Veon bells, free agent plans because what they're doing is they're showing, look, this guy's not Le'Veon bell and look what he's doing. Every time we give him over 15 carries, he's basically getting at or close or over 100 yards rushing. He's catching the ball in the backfield. This is a third-round draft pick. So, yeah,
1: I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I think the thing that's hurting Le'Veon Pell more than anything, he's not playing football and he's getting older. I mean, those things I think are more of an impact than that. But I mean, everybody knows what it is about running backs. You can find them. You may not find Le'Veon Bell's, but you can find running backs to get production on them. AK Alvin Kamara, AK John Connor.
0: AK, what's well, James Connor? James Connor. It's John <laughs> Connor. He's the
1: Terminator, man. He's the Terminator because he's uh, terminating Le'Veon <laughs> Bell's money. That's why he's the Terminator. Don't forget.
0: Uh, he's Kareem, John Connor. Don't forget John Kareem Karn. Hunt. Don't forget Kareem Hunt either in that mix. So. All right, uh, let's go another question. What, this is a really good one for the offense. Whatever happened to the Steelers always going for the two, two-point conversion? Haven't seen that much this year. What are your thoughts on that? Do you like the aggressive nature of going for two and forcing the opposition to have to really play behind the numbers game and stuff like that, or do you just think, hey, kick the extra point and let's play another down?
1: This ain't Oregon. No, hell no, I hate that. I, I, you only go for two late in games when you have to. I don't think you chase the two. I don't think you chase the extra point, the extra two. I, I don't like it. I don't think, I, I think that's aggression for just aggression's sake when you don't have to. Get a touchdown, kick a field, go, uh, kick the extra point, man. I, I, I don't really like it. I never thought it was smart. So I don't mind that they're not going for the two. I know from an analytics perspective, it's probably the best thing to do. But those guys would also tell you should never punt. So either believe it or not
0: yeah the football analytics are are very different you know the world series is going on right now and you see the shifts and the, the way that they play players and they, they there's so many so many analytics and the nfl is just kind of dipping their toe into those waters but like you just said there are those people that say you should never punt why because the numbers state that it's a 50 50 shot of getting it but well, that's just stupid that's just dumb you don't do that i mean it's not as simple as that so for me i um I'm with you. I don't think that going for two is always the best bet. Um, But, hey, if you can extend the lead, if you can force the other team to have to follow suit, it's not always a bad thing to do. So there you go. And that's kind of it uh, for the show. No more questions. They've kind of dried up, which is fine. Hey, it was a good session, and we appreciate all those people that watched. I
1: have a, I have a WTF, Jeff.
0: You have a WTF. Well then, my yes. friend, go ahead. The soapbox is yours.
1: Just really quickly, um, you know, a lot of things have gone on. We're doing this live on Wednesday. A lot of things have gone on, you know, in terms of today, in terms of politics with bombs and all that stuff. Hopefully, everybody's safe. Nobody gets hurt. So on and so forth. Hopefully we can continue to have or we can start to have healthy discourse politically around the country. But I, but I, but I get on my soapbox just to say the reports about Derek Carr crying when he was injured and, and Raider players allegedly uh, him losing favor in the locker room because he was a grown man crying. That That's bad. That That's why that's a bad football team. You know, that's why there's a bad football team. People can cry. People can be emotional. It's okay for men to be emotional as well. Uh, The guy thought he was hurt. He cried. He was sad. Maybe that's how he demonstrates his passion and his love for the game, and he's so disappointed that he may not be able to play and help his football team that the natural emotion is him crying. Crying doesn't make you weak. So hopefully you guys out there, if you have sons, if you have kids, you you know, teach them to just be emotionally real in the moment. And it's okay to cry. It's okay not to cry. Just encourage them to be emotionally real in whatever it is that, that is real for them in that particular moment. Of course, not violence or anything like that. But, you know, saying a man is weak because he's crying. That's so old. That's so antiquated. I mean, that's so ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we have emotions as well. And so when I heard that from the Raiders, I was just like, WTF. That's why that's a bad football team. Give that guy a hug, embrace him, and tell him that it's okay. We understand, man. You want to play football, and it's an emotional experience. It's emotional time. Just embrace his reaction, embrace his emotion. And build that guy up. Don't tear him down for that emotion. So that was my WTF.
0: Well, you know, to piggyback on that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was asked about that today. And he said, you know, in the locker room, he's he's cried tears of joy. He's cried tears of pain, of anger. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it, if, if anyone out there is a football fan and wants to read a very interesting book, um, it's called The Season of Love. And it was based on Gilman High School, which is a private school in the state of Maryland where I live. And it, it, at one time, they held the longest winning streak in the nation's history for high school games. And it was a private school. It is a Christian-based school. But it was about this coach who leads these this dominating football team that just beats the hell out of everyone, it is as brutal as it gets. And he preaches love and emotion to his players. It's an absolutely ridiculously mind-opening book. Um, as a coach, as someone that coached at the high school level for over 13 years, um, as someone that has five kids, four of them being daughters, myself, um, as someone that is around young people, young adults every single day, um, it's very important to teach them that you have to be emotionally available. And if you don't tap into those emotions, if you don't recognize those emotions, they're going to turn into something else. or They're going to stay inside and then they're going to be released as something else. And I don't want to get too far out of the, um, the the conversation of football here, but Lance brought it up. And so that's something that I, I'm kind of passionate about is that it's okay to cry. Uh, my kids have all seen me shed tears, tears of happiness, tears of sadness, tears of, of pain. It, it's part of life. I'm not going to deny that. And I'm going to make my make sure my kids, I know Lance is going to do the same, know that they, it's okay, that it's okay. And by the way, I don't think Derek Carr ever did cry. <laughs> you saw the video. I, he wasn't crying. That's that. That's yeah. just a face that he made. I don't think he ever shed a tear, at least not on the football field. I because mean, ultimately, ultimately uh, it's, still, it's still a man's man's. It's a man's game and all that stuff. I I just think that that was kind of a little much think, for think, me, but still, yeah.
1: Think think about it, Jeff. What I mean, did we as Steeler fans feel anything but? But the passion that Heinz Ward felt when he was shedding tears. After that, lot after they lost to the Patriots because they couldn't win a Super Bowl for Jerome Bettis. Don't think that didn't have something to do with Jerome probably coming back, and he was boo-hooing like a baby, mm-hmm. just like a baby. Like all that emotion came out. I know when I watched that, I was pissed. I was like, "Man, we got to win a Super Bowl next year!" <laughs> like, like I mean, I was hot. I mean, like I I rarely get hot watching games now from doing podcasts so much and doing shows. But, like, I, in that moment, I was hot. I was like, you know, I felt like I was playing. Like, I wanted to run through a, a brick wall. Seeing that raw emotion. I was like, no, nah, man, I can't. I don't want to see my brother in that type of pain. So, I'm going to do whatever I can to try to win. So, I think it, it helps, and it's a good thing. And, and and that's why the Raiders are bad. Commitment to losing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Hey, that was a good WTF segment. We apologize for those that, you know, were listening to that thing. What the hell does that do to the Steelers? But you know what? <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we, you we go brought, off on. T- we
1: brought it. We brought it back to Heinz Ward. There you go.
0: Hey, it's it's full circle, man. It's all full circle. So hey, if you're listening to the show, if you're on podcast form. Uh, we do have a youtube channel we'd love for you to subscribe and like our videos and and to be a part of our community here it's a nice little community that seems to watch the shows and and are active in our live chats and be a part of that you just type in btsc Steelers radio in your youtube search and it'll be the first thing that comes up if you haven't listened to us on podcasts we ask you subscribe in one way shape or form that's itunes that's google play that's stitch that's art 19 that's Spotify. You name it, we're there. You type in BTSC. If you type in Steelers, behind the steel curtain, they'll all show up. Subscribe, listen, and spread the love. You know, it's it's one of those things where if you have someone that's a Steeler fan that you know, like, if you enjoy these podcasts, tell them about it. Just tell them to, you know, share it. Send them links. Yeah, put so it on just your face, See,
1: face. Jeff's being nice, man. I'm saying if you watch the podcast on YouTube, you better be subscribed to the podcast as well. <laughs> so, you know, make sure you double up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers news, commentary, features, you name it, because we have everything that you freaking need. So check it out. And uh, as for us, we will be on Sunday after the game against the Browns for the Steelers post game show. In the meantime, make sure you check us out tomorrow night, myself, Brian Anthony Davis, and our Steelers preview show. And other than that, we'll see you next Wednesday on another episode of The Standard is a Standard.